So in our scripture today, this is a, a fairly popular set of verses. And it leads into an even more uh, familiar text known as the story of the Good Samaritan, which we'll talk about more next week. But I want to kind of break down and talk a little bit about this kind of intro into that Good Samaritan parable. Because there was one word that stood out to me this week, uh, or in the preparation uh, for this sermon, and that was the word test. And it says that uh, this expert in the law... Uh, and this, and this is not like a lawyer like what we would think of as a lawyer, but someone who was well-versed in the Hebrew Torah, um, an expert in the law, wanted to test Jesus. And so he asked them this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I think oftentimes we try and boil religion down to that question. Okay, so... How do I get to heaven? And um, I think often Christianity is, is reduced to that. And I think there's a lot more to Christianity than just stamping your ticket to heaven. That it has a lot more to do with what happens here and now on earth um, than just getting our tickets punched. At any rate, he wants to test Jesus. And so I, I ask myself, self, maybe this guy is just trying to figure out where Jesus stands on some things. Maybe, maybe he's just trying to keep Jesus intellectually honest. Or, you know, maybe, maybe his motives are actually pretty good. But if you read on, and we will next week, uh, it says that he tries to justify himself. And, and he's, try, he's trying to trap Jesus here. He's trying to get Jesus pigeonholed. So he's testing him. He's pushing him. He's challenging him. And Jesus, being the teacher that he is, cleverly flips the script. And he puts the question back to the expert in the law and says, well, you tell me. You're the expert in the law. What do you read in the law? How do you interpret it? Sum it up for me. And he responds. We, we often, I think, when we hear this story, assume or think or miscorrectly or uh, incorrectly misremember that we, we think that Jesus says these words. But it's actually the expert in the law that says these words. And, and the expert says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, Great, you got the right answer. You passed your own test. Now go and do it. It's that simple. The message of Christianity is a very simple one. Love God. Love neighbor. And like Nike says, just go do it. <laughs> but it's not always easy. It's not always easy, especially in the midst of hurricanes, especially in the midst of tornadoes or giant hailstorms, or in the midst of divorce or in the midst of job loss 
it can be really hard to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves in the midst of those things. And yet, it is that simple to love God and love neighbor. So Jesus flips the script and turns the test back on to the expert in the law. And the expert in the law answers his own question. And we find out next week that he really starts to nitpick after that. But this, this test is one that's easy to pass if you know the answer. Love God and love neighbor. But not all tests are quite that easy. Uh, you know, we just started school back. And um, hopefully most of you haven't experienced too many tests just yet. Ha- have you had a test yet? Already? You already had a test? Oh, I'm sorry. That stinks. At any rate. So I, I want to, uh, in solidarity with you, Jada, uh, I'm going to put everybody else to the test this morning. So I have a test for you. Um, let's see if you can pass this test. First question. What is your name? Okay. This is a responsive test. All right, let's try that again. What is your name? Okay, good. All right. So you got the first question right, hopefully. Did everybody get their name right? All right. What is your favorite color? Hmm, heard a lot of blues. Finally, what is your quest? <laughs> to seek the Holy Grail. Uh, there you go. Or to be with God. Yes, good job, Jan. Um, sorry, I had to go my Monty Python route there for a minute. Um, okay. So let's see if you can recall from the scripture, what are the four things with which you are to love God? Heart, soul, strength, mind. Yeah. Good job. All right. Now, here's a real easy question for you, all right? Who's better, OU or Texas? Let's see, who won their games yesterday? I, I can't remember. Can, can y'all help me remember? I, I, think, I think maybe like OU won like 49 to 7. I think Texas may have lost their game. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm giving y'all a hard time. Okay, here's a little bit harder question. Who founded Methodism? Do y'all know that one? Yay, John Wesley. All right. Now, here's a common misconception. Um, there is a popular uh, piece of Methodist theology and, um, um, yeah, theology called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral, okay? It's not actually designed by John Wesley, even though it's called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. It was created by Albert Outler, who was a professor at Perkins back in the 70s, uh, yet we, give, we call it the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. Now, this is going to really test you. Let's see if you know your church theology, church history. Can you name the four components of the Wesleyan quadrilateral? I bet you George can. So you're... you're, Really? Oh, wow. I'm surprised. Okay. All right. So the four components of the Wesleyan quadrilateral 
these are the things upon which we kind of found our faith. All right? The first is, can you, can you, do you know? What? The Bible. Scripture. Yeah. So, Scripture. Mm, nope. Good try. No, no. Okay. All right. I'll just tell you. This, that, that's a hard question. All right. So, Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. All right? Can you say those with me? Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Okay? Now, so that means in the Methodist church, we kind of base our, our theology and the way we know things and how we test and, and approve of things through those four lenses. And I liken it to building a house. In fact, I liken this whole series to building a house. So, again, you can refer back to uh, the front of your bulletins for this. See? This is all connected, all right? Faith, faith is like building a house. But not just a house that is static, a house that is dynamic, a house that is organic, that is a living organism. So it's, the analogy breaks down at some point, but at, bear with me for a moment. The foundation of our faith starts with following Jesus, okay? So that's the first thing on here. So you can't, you can't be Christian without that. Jesus is at the forefront. This man, Jesus who loved the unlovable, who spoke good news to the poor, preached to the oppressed, recovery of sight to the blind, healed people, gave of himself, set the example for all of us. That's the foundation of our faith. And upon that, we respond with um, loving God. So that's the, these red squares, is loving God, all right? And we love God with our what? Heart, soul, strength, mind. Yeah, reminded strength. I always get it out of order. All right. I actually kind of had this um, interesting epiphany that the Wesleyan quadrilateral builds upon heart, soul, mind, and strength. That the heart is related to Scripture at the center of ourselves. Scripture is where we start, okay? So, Scripture... Tradition is kind of our soul. It's our being. It's, it's where we uh, kind of live and move. It's, it's, it's what we grow up in. It's, it's where our identity is founded or grounded. So soul is our tradition. It gives us the richness of our faith. Um, experience, I think, kind of relates to strength. That that's kind of the um, tactile uh, version of uh, or part of our faith is how we experience the world, how we experience God in the world, or, um, or even how maybe we experience what feels like the absence of faith or doubt. Um, our experience helps us know things. And then finally, uh, our reason, our mind. So heart, soul, mind, strength, um, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Uh, oh, fine, sorry. There's a roof on this thing, right? Um, so I kind of went out of order in, uh, in terms of building the house uh, through this Christianity 101. Living in community, I think, is kind of the, the umbrella on the top. Um, and you see, it's very colorful. We're a very diverse group, right? Uh, lots of theological 
um, breadth and width within this heart, soul, mind, and strength, within this scripture, tradition, reason, experience. Some people gravitate to one quadrant or another. But I think the community in which we live, a community that is focused on its relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, that is the umbrella under which we are able to function. And we'll talk more next week about how that is also the place, this is the place in which we are able to share the hospitality of Jesus. It is an, an, an outwardly moving organism. This is the foundation of our faith. But what's wrapped up in all of this, because even to have a foundation, you have to have a ground within which to build and within which to operate. And I think God's very self is that ground. That what encompasses all of this and what uh, supports all of this and what gives it its roots is that God is the ground of our being. That is a, a quote by a famous theologian, Paul Tillich, who calls God the ground of our being, the, the one in whom we live and move. And so what this says to me is that all of this, following Jesus, loving God, uh, how we ex- uh, get to know God, and then the community in which we live, all of that grows up out of God. All of this is a response to God's love. Our faith is a response to God's love. Everything that we do to love God and love neighbor is based off of God's initiative. Now I want to tell you, when I was growing up, I heard many a sermon. I grew up in a different faith tradition. I grew up in a faith tradition that said you needed to commit harder to God. You needed to do more for God. That there was always another step that you needed to take in order for you to be the best Christian you could be. And I almost went that direction with this sermon. I almost said the goal of this sermon is to help people understand that they need to be more deeply committed. But I want to tweak that slightly. Because what that push to continually be more and more and more and more committed led me to was a feeling that I was never quite good enough for God. And that if God was over there, I always needed to be doing this and that God was going to just keep moving the target. Now, okay, this is like not group therapy. I understand that. But I'm just trying to, what I, what I want to say is that instead of thinking about it as being more deeply committed to God, what I want you to think about it as is being more deeply responsive to God. That we love God, we follow Jesus, and we read scripture and uh, embrace our rich tradition and see God through the lens of our, see our experiences through the lens of God and think with our brains about how faith and science and all of that can interact. All of that is a response to God. And what I hope we are doing as we worship each week, as we gather as a community of faith, 
as we seek to follow Jesus, as we read the scriptures together, what I hope we're doing is honing our ability to respond to God in each and every moment of our lives. You might recall uh, over the past couple weeks that I've talked about how our existence is based in God. That instead of, I think therefore I am, we should instead realize that I am loved, therefore I am. That our very existence is grounded in God and God's love. So following Jesus is a response to God's love. Living in community is a response to God's love. Loving God is a response to God's love. Loving neighbor is a response to God's love. One of our elders in this conference, like me, grew up in a similar kind of faith background. And he became an elder in our conference a couple years ago. His name's Larry James. And he's the director of City Square, a nonprofit downtown. And we worshiped with their little homeless congregation last year. Do you remember that? We're going to do that again on October 15th. We're going to do it again. But the, reason, but the reason I bring up Larry James is because he said this one time, and it has stuck with me. Because he and I both came from a different faith tradition to join the Methodist Church. And he said, you know, I truly believe that the United Methodist Church has the theology to change the world. If will act upon it. It comes back to this lawyer, this expert in the law. He had the theology to change the world, but was he going to do it? Are we willing to respond to God's love? I'm, I'm proud to be United Methodist. I'm proud to be part of an organization that's so organized that we already have a plan in place when these disasters happen. I'm proud to be part of a faith tradition that says we are to respond to God's love. That God's grace is primary for understanding how we relate to God. So we can be proud. We can make a difference if we can continually allow God to hone our responsiveness to God. So that is my ask for you this week, to allow God to hone your responsiveness to God, to pay attention to where God may be moving you. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.